What's up, folk? It's RJ Young, host of the number one ranked show. In this episode, our second from Big 12 Media Days, we're going to talk with Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian, B. John Robinson, star running back, Heisman contender, linebacker DeMarvion Overshone, who is tasked with leading this defense and more. Remember, Subscribe to the number one ranked show wherever you get your podcast. But first, let's go talk to Steve Sarkeesian. I'm pleased to be joined by Texas football coach Steve Sarkeesian. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I want to start with this. One of the great games on the schedule for me personally is Texas hosting Alabama September 10th on Big Noon. But I want to go at it just a little bit differently. What is your relationship with Coach Saban like? Uh, my relationship with Coach Saban is is a great one, first of all. Um, I think it goes a lot deeper than football. Um, I can unequivocally say that I would not be the head coach at the University of Texas if it weren't for Nick Saban. And so I have a lot of gratitude towards him, Miss Terry. Um, and it, it's a special day for us to play that game because I know how much he means to me. Um, I think we both know each other to a point now we're the ultimate competitors and uh, both of us want to win that ball game. But in the end, I think it's just about um, it goes beyond football. Um, a lot of respect for him and what he's done in that program, but more importantly, what he's done for a lot of people in he and Miss Terry's life. One of the things I got to talk with Bijan and DeMarvion about was just how close the team is. And that apparently was an emphasis this offseason, just creating a little bit more of a cohesive football team, one that cares about each other. How'd you go about doing that, Coach? Well, it just started. You know, when we came out of last season, it was okay. We're always trying to find ways to better ourselves. And I felt like that was something that was missing from our team from a year ago, was how do we go to another level of connectivity, right? Player to player, coach to player, player to coach. And so we just started doing different exercises. We started digging in. We started devoting real time to it and not just um, saying, oh, it's just going to happen organically, um, which it does. But you have to dedicate time to it. Um, you have to put in the time. You have to become vulnerable as a coach if you want the players to become vulnerable. Uh, and I think in the end uh, that we're actually reaping a lot of the benefits of that now. Um, we'll continue to do that work all the way through fall camp and, quite frankly, throughout the season. I'm grateful to hear you talk about being just a little bit more vulnerable with your players. What did you learn about yourself in that vulnerability? Well, I think that they appreciated it. Mm. I think so many times, you know, athletes look at the coach like I'm sitting up in the Eiffel Tower and that I'm just there and uh, I'm not a person. I'm not human. I don't have feelings. You know, I don't get tired. Um, and in the end, when you can become vulnerable, when you can become transparent, when I can talk about the things that – um, are frustrating to me or that are I'm dealing with off the field or that I've dealt with off the field in my past. Um, I think I create a, a platform for them to where they say, man, Coach Sark's real. Mm -hmm. And I can share things with him on things that I'm dealing with. And now I can really start to help. Now I can really start to help navigate their world um, because ultimately they all want to be great players. They all want to be successful. Um, but they have a lot going on in their worlds to where they become distractions that deter them from being the best that they can be. And so if I can start to help facilitate that for them um, and maybe give them a, 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 an easier, softer way of navigating things that ultimately they come out on the other side. And then that, that starts to spread throughout the locker room. Like, just go talk to Coach Sark or go talk to your position coach, man. They, these guys are here to help you. And, you know, that's that's developing trust. And, you know, trust takes time plus consistency. And I think that we've had a really consistent approach to it. 
Um, obviously we've had the time now about 18 months on the job and, and now we've developed a team full of, of really cool chemistry, um, of vulnerability and one where there's some empathy towards one another, but yet accountability towards one another. It's interesting to hear you talk about those things specifically because I know what you were capable of and did at USC. I know what you were capable of did at Alabama. And I look at the roster that you have put together, and it resembles those from a talent standpoint. Now, I can go out with a piece of paper and a pencil and write down positions and get giddy about it. But you also need to coach those guys up, and I understand that depth is always going to be an issue for a football coach. Injuries happen. But how excited are you to see these guys play football? I'm excited. You know, we um, – we have a, a unique roster, and when you, when you look at us, we have 85 scholarships just like everybody else. 57 of our 85 players are freshmen or sophomores, whether that's true freshman, true sophomore, redshirt sophomore. But the remaining players, we have some really cool leadership of our juniors and seniors on our team that I think are doing a really good job of instilling the core values of our organization in the younger players that ultimately – set us up to put us in a really good position to go perform. And, you know, like, like I say all the time, you know, we spend months and months and months throughout the year of, you know, lifting weights, running, game planning, you know, you know, position meetings, you know, on the field, walkthroughs for 12 regular season opportunities to go perform. And my job is to put our players in the best position to perform and to do it at a high level where they can have the success uh, to match the work ethic that they put in. And, and our team has put in a lot of work. And so now it's about transitioning that to to game day success to where they walk off the field every Saturday knowing, man, we put our best foot forward. We did it collectively. We did it together. We had a blast doing it with one another as a team. Uh, and ultimately we had the success that that we felt like we put in. And we, we got a return on the investment that we put in. Just curious, Stud. You have any idea who's going to be the starting quarterback? <laughs> curious about it. You know, it's it's been a it's been a great off season. You know, it's the most important position in sports for a reason, yeah. right? And we can look at little league football to the NFL and the teams that have really good quarterback play generally are successful. The teams that have really good quarterback leadership generally are really successful, and we're fortunate. We've got a couple guys right now that are doing it at a very high level. Um, and hopefully we can continue to maintain that, that, that level of play at that position for years to come. Uh, that's why we recruit it so hard and we're very specific in the style of player that we recruit. Um, and we've got two good ones, you know, Hudson card and Quinn Ewers are very good players and they're at different stages of their career. That doesn't make one better than the other. Um, but I'm excited about where they can take their own game individually. Ultimately, I'm going to have to decide what's best for our team. Um, by the time the season rolls around to put us in the best position to be successful. Uh, but we're in a great spot. We got two good players. Um, we'll, we'll get to a decision here at some point, but I won't be surprised if we don't need both these guys at some point in the season to help us win a championship. It's one of the things I'm curious about because I had asked you this question last year. Hudson uniquely is in this position for a second year and you're going through a QB derby for a second year in a row. But at one point or another, both Hudson and Casey Thompson at the time, played football for you. So how do you develop a quarterback knowing that somebody's going to start that game and then you're probably going to need them down the line? Well, I, what we try to do is not just essentially put them in a silo of saying, mm -hmm. this is where you are as a player in our system. Mm -hmm. 
both of you could be successful playing in our system, but here's what you need to work on player A, and here's how we're going to work on it. Whether you're the starter or not, we're going to keep working on these aspects of your game. Here is player B. He's in a different silo. He's got a different skill set. He's got different things that he needs to work on. Ultimately, me as a coach, whether it's player A or player B, I need to call the things that put those two guys, whichever one is on the field, in position to be successful. So the offense might look one way under one one quarterback. It may look a little different under the other quarterback because of what they're good at. Because we keep trying to, when it's time to play, put them in position to do things on the field that they're good at while we're in practice working on the things and areas of their game where we know they can improve. And so everybody's different. Uh, we coach everybody in that room, in the quarterback room, at whatever stage they're at. Um, it's not just a cookie-cutter approach. We really try to make it specific to the player, and I think they appreciate that, that we're coaching everybody in the room. I spent a lot of time in this offseason being bullish on Texas, telling everybody that I really think that this is a year for you that could be great. But you've done that through recruiting and adding on the roster. I'm most curious about an off-the-field coaching decision you made. You brought in what I think is a legend in the sport and Gary Patterson to help you. How has he helped your defense in this offseason so far? Well, Coach Patterson has been fantastic. You know, I've always admired Coach Patterson from afar. Uh, he's a great defensive mind. Um, he's a guy that's been a pioneer to some degree uh, in the style of defense that they played at TCU. Um, I think he's been a great sounding board. I'll be honest with you. You know, Coach Kwiatkowski can utilize him as a sounding board about the what ifs, about the adjustments, about how we're going to play a certain coverage or a certain scheme. Uh, other coaches on the defensive staff can use him as a sounding board, whether it's an individual drill, whatever that is. And then I can use him as a sounding board, right? Are, are we are we developing the style of play from a defensive perspective that I want? And then are our players buying into what we're doing? You know, I think head coaches look at the game differently. I think they look at it from a really big picture approach um, where sometimes position coaches and things can look at it almost through a straw, very specific to their position group. So uh, I value coach Patterson a lot. It's great having him on board and, you know, I'll, I'll say this too. He's an awesome guy. You know, I know sometimes the sidelines and the, and the press conferences can look a certain way, but when you're around him on a daily basis, he's, uh, he's got great rapport with everybody that he touches. My last one for you, coach, and this is open-ended, so please feel free to indulge me and go whatever direction you need to. How do you feel about the future of college football? I'm excited about it. You know, I, I mentioned this earlier. You know, I think a lot of times – we always want to talk about what's wrong with something, what's wrong with an individual, right? What's wrong with a certain company? What's wrong with college football? There's a lot what's right with college football. We've got a great game and we've got a beautiful game in a, in a game that has been branded in such that is now world, world renowned, you know, and it's every Saturday, every Thursday night, all eyes are on college football and we've got great players. We've got great coaches. We've got great conferences. Uh, we've got really good leadership um, from the commissioners, the presidents, the athletic directors. And I think everybody, you know, wants our game to continue to evolve, to get to a point to where um, we're proud of our game. And I get conference realignment. I get transfer portal. I get NIL. I get a potential expansion of college football playoff. Those are real issues that, I think we will continue to navigate our way through. But in the meantime, let's not miss what's happening every Saturday, which is an awesome game with competitive kids that love to play the game of football with coaches that are really good at what they're doing. 
and uh, inevitably, uh, you know, unbelievable fan bases that love every Saturday afternoon putting on their school color and being proud of, of, of the game and their school and their team that they get to support. Coach, thank you so much for giving us some time. I'm pleased to be joined by Texas running back Bijan Robinson. Bijan, how you doing, man? Man, I'm awesome. I'm awesome. I'm blessed. Um, just blessed to be back here, uh, you know, to get to talk to you again and, and just to be with my teammates and, you know, have a you know, great experience, you know, for another year. There's a lot to discuss in as far as Texas in 2022, and I'm bullish about what y'all are capable of mm-hmm. this season. But my first question has to be, have you got that V12, 769 horsepower, <laughs> $560,000 Lamborghini Aventador out on the road at all? Yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, it's it's actually the the SUV, the the, oh, the right Urus. On. Yeah, um, you know, I, I I'm not that much of a flashy guy, so I try to go less, a little less flashy. But yeah, it's it's I have it. You know, it's it's been awesome. You know, I kind of take it out on weekends. Um, but it's it's been great to to have a car like that. Yeah, man, as a as a car, right? Uh, yep. That was one of the things that lit me up. But it also has tremendous heritage and beauty, having a lot to do with bullfighting and a lot yeah. to do with matadors. And I was thinking about how that translates to football in that it's really about art. Yep. It's really about physicality. How do you see yourself now going into 2022 as a tailback? Are you an artist? Are you just out here playing football? How do you view? Yeah. Um, you know, I believe that we we are artists when we play the sport, sport of football. You know, you, you can't just go out there and just play the game you know you you gotta understand the game you gotta you know kind of be one with the game use the use the gifts that god has given you uh, out there but you know i i think that we all have a have a form of art especially for running back you know i gotta create different situations i gotta you know create different scenarios to, to break tackles on defenders to to see angles on defenders so i'm always you know finding a way to to always make people miss, you know, be ahead of the game, um, understand, you know, what the defense I'm playing against, who, who I'm playing against on that defense. So I think it's a form of art, um, being creative in, in all aspects of, of the game. Part of being an artist is taking care of your tools, taking care of yourself. Yes, sir. You're healthy. How you feel? Yeah, I feel great. I feel great. Um, this offseason has been, been amazing. Uh, you know, now that we are more, you know, you know, acclimated with our surroundings and who we are as a team and even just the strength coaches, you know, understanding the players now and, and seeing what we need to do to, you know, overcome those humps that we needed um, from a year ago to now this year. Uh, you know, we, we were all just getting bigger, faster, stronger. And but the most important you know thing that is I'm becoming a better leader, you know, for the team. You know, this is my third year going into college football and, you know, I'm just more confident than than that, than I ever have. Um, ever have been so you know I'm just ready to go uh, especially from with the summer that we've had and that we're having you know I just can't wait for the season to get around a confident B. John Robinson just absolutely terrified me <laughs> you know especially coming off of 1100 yards last year missing the last two games yeah tremendous highs last year tremendous lows last year but yes sir looking at this offense at least on paper and what y'all have been able to add in the yeah. form of a Jaleel Billingsley right and then Isaiah Nayer you're going to be back there with a new quarterback and hopefully a pretty doggone good one. Yeah. Do you ever look at that offense and say, we should put 50 up on everybody we play? Yeah, you know, it, it just goes back to, to how we work, mm-hmm. you know, in practice. Um, yeah, we have, you know, great paper, or great players um, that, that's that been added to this team. You know, we have great players that's on this team right now, especially on the offense and, and even on the defense. Um, 
But, you know, we, we have a, a standard of how we practice now. And, you know, when we go against the defense, you know, they make us the, we, they try to make us to the best offense that we can be, and we try to make them the best defense that they can be. So, you know, adding those new players and adding, you know, that chemistry and what we have, you know, right now, and, you know, it, it builds fast because, you know, we, we understand that we kind of have no choice. You know, we just have to get in there, grind, work. And, you know, Coach Sark has been, been honest about, you know, doing the little things right. And, and when we do the little things right, then that's what sets us apart from, you know, the rest of the pack. So I know that we're we're all just ready to, to play with each other. And, you know, we're, we're done seeing the things that are that are on paper. You know, we just want to put it out um, and, and put it out in real life and in product. So, you know, we're just ready to get out there. And, and especially especially for me, you know, being, you know, the leader on the offense, you know, I just want everybody to, to gel and, and be ready to go. Last year, we talked a bit about the heritage of Texas running backs, right? Yep. With our Heisman Trophy winners, guys like Ricky Williams, guys like Earl Campbell, right? Now, I wanted to ask you about the guy that's going to be standing next to you most of the time, quarterbacks. There are three that I understand vying for the job. I want to go through each one of them. Mm -hmm. We got to see a little bit of Hudson Card last year. How have you seen him grow up since? Man, he, he just him having that experience of playing college football last year and even with him, you know, having to deal with the highs and the lows, you know, it, it taught him a lot just about himself, about him being a, a leader, about him, you know, taking control of an offense. Because, you know, I, I even told him, I was like, you know, th this is the year where, you know, you got to you elevate your game. You know, you we all see what you can do. We all know you're talented, but, you know, you just need that little piece to just get over that hump and, and become great, the, the great player that you are um, so, the, so the country can see. And, you know, he, he's taken that and, you know, he's ran with it. You know, he's, he's been a great, you know, focal piece. You know, he's he's be, he's becoming a leader. He's controlling the offense. He, he knows what he needs to do. So, you know, uh, it's, it's been good to see him him grow a lot, you know, this offseason. He also had some new entrance, in, if we say, into the QB room. Yes, sir. A couple, I think I know about Malik Murphy. We'll find out what other people know about Malik yeah. Murphy. <laughs> yeah. that, that dude's all Thule. What have you seen from him, and what kind of a person is he? Yeah, well, you know, Malik's a great person. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he's a sponge. You know, he, he, he just wants to learn. Um, you know, he's been out there. He, he's obviously talented. You know, we see the talent and, and how, what he can do. You know, he, he has an exceptional arm. Um, you know, we, we play seven-on-seven seven a lot, and dude's just crushing it. And I'm mm -hmm. like, man, like, this dude is really, like, understanding as, as time goes along, you know, the game of college football. But it's been it's been fun to watch him grow as a player. You know, he's a young player, so there's those young player, you know, gaps that you know we all got to get through. Um, but he he's he's a great, you know, tool for that running for that quarterback room uh, because you know he he brings, you know, the size, the arm talent. Um, he's a great kid, and that that's just what you know they all need around them for for that chemistry and that culture that they're setting in that room. Did you know who Quinn Ewers was when he was in high school? Did that name mean anything to you? Uh, I, I didn't know who he was in high school. Mm -hmm. I I knew who he was when he got to Ohio State, though. When when that all, you know, when that all happened, when he was when he was there. Well, I mean, reclassified, so yeah. you get there, spent the year there, and yeah. chose to transfer to the place many people thought he should have been in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Right? He understands what it means to just be named a quarterback right. at the University of Texas. That in and of itself is an achievement. How has he taken on the responsibility of being a quarterback at the University of Texas? Yeah, I mean, even with him, he, he's taken it on really well. You know, I know that there's a lot of hype around him, a lot of hype around his name. But, you know, he's not the type to really, you know, get into that hype. You know, we talk a lot and he, he doesn't care about what people have to say. He doesn't care about, you know, the high things that 
people might have to say at the lows that people might, he, he just wants to go in there and work. Um, and he, he's really, you know, gelled with the team, you know, ever since he's been here, you know, he hasn't, you know, been a bad addition at all. You know, he's been a great addition to, to the offense, to the team. You know, we all just come, we're all just close and joke around. I mean, he's right across from me in the, in the locker room. So I see how he, how he is every day. And he, he just goes in there, works and, you know, we, he leaves. I mean, it's, it's just what we all do. And, you know, when we're off the field, we see each other, you know, we just love on each other. And, but, you know, he's taking it and he's taking it in a good stride and he, and he understands what he needs to do um, to be a great quarterback here. Going in 2022, uh, one of the marquee games on the entire college football schedule, September 10th, big yep. noon, mm -hmm. you get Alabama on the 40 acres. How excited are you to play against that team? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, you know, obviously I'm excited. Um, but, you know, we got that, you know, we got game one first. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't overlook, you know, Louisiana, Monroe. You know, they're, they're I, I've seen I've seen some times where, you know, teams had really big games week two and then mess around and lose week one. And, you know, I got I got to make sure we ain't doing that um, for sure. But, you know, with them coming in, you know, that's a obviously a really big game. And, you know, it's a it's an opportunity to, to show what you can do as a team and what you've been working for. So. You know, when, when they come in, you know, we're, we're going to take them, you know, as, as every team that we're going to take the whole the whole year. Um, we're going to prepare for them just how we're preparing for, you know, Louisiana Monroe. It, it doesn't matter who, who we're playing against, but man, I'm really excited to play them and, and get to show, you know, what we can do against them. Is there a little bit of added oomph knowing that Coach Sark came from Alabama and took the job? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that, that that's just football. That's the nature of football. You know, when you have a coach that comes from another place, you know, the stakes are higher. The game, the game becomes, you know, uh, more important because you want to do it for your coach. You want to do it for your city. You want to do it for, you know, everybody around you. For, for my case, you know, I'll do it for God. You know, every, everything. So, you know, there's just a lot of things that can, that that play into to games like that. You know, even when we play OU, you know, those, those, just those type of games, you know, always rise to the occasion. So, I mean, I'm excited to to get out there and and to to play to play them and to to play a defense like them as well. You know, they got a lot of great players on defense. So. Just to show that talent against them, it, you know, it'd be fun to, to watch and to play against. I think it's fair to say you're centerpiece of the offense and it proven to be so the last couple of seasons. Coming in once again as a Heisman contender, how are you dealing with the pressure just a little bit differently than you might have in the past? Yeah, you know, you know, this year for me, you know, seeing everything and, and, and experiencing things, you know, pressure to me, it, I, I don't even worry about it. You know, I, you know, pressure, you know, it, it's a part of the game, but I think that when you're blessed to do something and when you get a, when you're given a gift to do something, you know, that there, there is no pressure because mm -hmm. you're doing it for a higher, higher being. Um, and I, I just know that, you know, when we're out on that field, you know, there, there's always the, the media, the, the noise behind the games, the hype behind the games, but that's just, you know, that just comes with it. So, so for me, you know, I just look at it as, as going out there and performing to the best of my ability. And, you know, I, I don't want, you know, to get distracted by anything and I just keep my, my head focused, keep my head right where it needs to be because, you know, when I'm when I'm preparing for a team, you know, that's what I want to be doing. I don't want to be worrying about, you know, other stuff. So, you I know, mean, I'm ready to go in. I'm ready just to, to, to get after it. Well, I'm excited to see you play in 2022. Bijan Robinson, thank you so much for taking time, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm pleased to be joined by Texas linebacker DeMarvion Overshone. DeMarvion, how you doing, man? I'm doing real good. I'm, you know, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be here, you know, another opportunity to play football here in a couple months, so couldn't be more excited. With 38 games played, 22 career starts, this being your fifth year, 
You've seen a little bit of everything at Texas. Do you feel like the old man on the defense? I do. I tell people all the time, you know, those my my young bucks around me. So, you know, being the old head in the locker room, I've seen a lot uh, since coming 2018 and being here 2022. So going into my fifth year, I've definitely seen a lot of the program changing ups, downs. Uh, and I'm glad I'm, I've been here. I came back for a fifth year to be that mentor to the to young guys to know the ins and outs of what we got to do to be at this point and what's going to cause us the little detail that's going to cause us to fall back uh, or take a step back from where we're trying to go. So it's it's definitely a blessing to still be able to put the burn orange on for a fifth year, you know, because of COVID. You know, if it wasn't because of COVID, then I'd be long gone. But uh it's definitely nice to be back. I, I love Austin. I love my Longhorn family, and, you know, I wouldn't want to do it anywhere else. Dog, you got the cowboy hat. You got the boots, right? I know you're from ARP, but it feels like it means something different for you to play football at the University of Texas. Explain to me why it was so important for you to play at Texas. Uh, growing up, you know, my family was burnt orange. Mm -hmm. That's all I knew. Actually, before, well, after my peewee football games when I was younger, you know, it was straight home to my coach's man cave. It's Texas everywhere. We watching Texas football. Whether you're a Texas football fan or not, you're watching Texas football. But it happened that I, I bled burn uh, orange my whole life. So once I got the opportunity to come play at this university, you know, it was a, I'm sign me up. Where do I sign it? So you know, it was it's a blessing. And like I say, I will continue to you know show love and take advantage of everything that they have to offer and they have given to me and my family, and I will never, ever take it for granted. Coming off the of last year, wasn't the best defense you've ever been a part of. Probably hurt just a little bit some of the points you gave up, some of the yardage you gave up. What has Coach Gwakowski changed about this 2022 team that excites you? Uh, just making sure everybody's comfortable, you know. You can't play with confidence if you're not comfortable in, like, the situation you've been put in. So uh, making sure everybody's comfortable where they're at, uh, you know, making sure people is really dialing in to, like, the ins and outs of, like, what what you got to do. Just do your 111 is what I've always learned growing up. If everybody do their 111, then, you know, we're that much better as a defense. And as we watch films from last year, we see that, like, just a small step to the left or a small step to the right. And that play is a no gain instead of like a 20-yard, 30-yard gain. So uh, basically every, just making sure everybody's dialed in, everybody. And like I said, going into year two of the same defense, it's going to change a lot because people more confidence, comfortable. You know where everybody's around you doing, where they're going to be at. So uh, that's one thing I can say he's definitely pushed hard this, just in the spring, making sure everybody was comfortable with what they're doing. So around about 2014, uh, Oklahoma had a scout team that I thought was full of All-Americans and turned out to have some great players. Orlando Brown, Baker Mayfield, Mark Andrews, to name a few. I look at the offense, the first team offense that I just put on paper on a whiteboard at Texas, and I go, man, y'all going to get everything you need out of those dudes. Do you look at them and say, hey, man, our offense is going to put 50 up on people? I, every day, you know. I go to the offense and, you know, me being the person I am, you know, I talk trash just to, you know, get them going because I know how good our offense is going to be and it's only going to make us better as a defense because we get to practice against guys like Bijan and uh, Hudson and Quinn and Roshan in the receiver room that's stacked in the uh, O-line that we got. Uh, so 
basically seeing them guys and knowing what them guys are capable of, it pushed me as a defensive leader to say, hey, you know, everybody's talking about the offense, but, you know, it's we got some stuff going on on this side of the ball too. So we definitely going to do our part. But I definitely can't wait to see what our offense do this year. So you've seen Bijan for a couple years now, both uh, in practice and in games, what he does to other folks. You ever met him in the hole? Y'all, y'all had a meeting of the minds? Oh, all the time, you know. Uh, just being the, the two guys, you know, it's always fun to get that matchup with B. John, you know, pass rush one-on-one. Actually, I was his first workout partner when he first got here his freshman year. So, you know, it was cool getting to know him and then just seeing him play football and then, like, like this guy is real, real good. So going against him at practice, knowing iron sharpens iron, uh, just making sure we, we at it every day just to make each other better. One of the guys that was added to the defense out of the transfer portal, uh, I'm a big fan of. Ryan Watts, coming from Ohio State. He's from Little Elm, back where he belongs, according to some folks, not unlike one Quinn Ewers. What has Watts been able to show you in practice that has you feeling good about him? Uh, his ability to learn on the go. Uh, he's quick. He's not afraid of contact at all. That's my favorite part of him because, you know, I'm a contact guy. So him not being afraid of contact and his just – He's willing to do whatever it takes to, like, make sure this team can be as good as we can. So uh, just seeing him, you know, extra work, you know, uh, doing workouts, racing, competing, I like that competitiveness in him. And that's definitely going to bring an edge to our defense. One of the things that I don't think that gets discussed a lot is you were safety before they moved you to linebacker. So you got a little bit of pride as far as what the safety's doing, what that secondary does. But what was that transition like for you, and how did you adapt to playing linebacker so well? Uh, the coaches definitely made it easier for me. Uh, you know, coming in, I was – that was my thing. Like, I did not want to play linebacker at all. Like, that was – that was I'm, I'm going to go if y'all try to move me to linebacker. But uh, coming in that spring of 2020, I told them that, you know, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make this team a better team, and that – that was me moving the linebacker. And ever since, just getting better, better each day, you know, working on my craft, you know, being healthy all this uh, spring, you know, allowed me to make those strides, like working on pass rush, you know, di- uh, disinfecting the run and stuff like that and uh, taking on blocks and stuff like that. The little things that I really couldn't do uh, coming from safety to linebacker, being injured, but now I would just be able to dig into that bag and, you know, get better at the spot. Well, I raised the issue because I thought with a change in defensive coordinator, maybe you go up to Coach Kukowski and be like, yo, can I go play safety again? Because that's what I came here to do. But it sounds like you're having a good time. I'm having a wonderful time. You know, I like to be in the mix. And linebacker is never a play where you don't have something to do. So uh, basically just being the quarterback of the defense, I love it. You know, people looking at me for calls, people looking at me to go make the play. I love all that. So linebacker is definitely the spot for me. It took me a while to realize that, but once I finally got my head on straight, I, I realized that this position was going to be fit for DeMarion Overshawn. Yeah. My last one for you, and, and give this a little bit of thought if you want. Which one of the underclassmen has you the most excited on the defense? You're talking about freshmen, sophomore? Freshmen, sophomore, redshirt freshmen, guys going into their second years. Uh, Byron Murphy, you know, that's one of my closest buddies as well. But just seeing him, like, he, he's a dog. And, like, I talk to Keandre Coburn all the time. He always talks about him, too. Like, 
you know, it's Byron Murphy is at the point where he can start. Yeah. Whenever coach can make that call, like he can start. So he's one of those guys, underclassmen, that's pushing the upperclassmen, like, hey, bro, like I can take your spot anytime, you know. And we saw last year, like, what he's capable of doing. And then coming off his freshman year, he's only been hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. And I like that. And he, he's just a dog. And I love that. I'm very excited to see what the defense looks like, particularly September 10th against Alabama. Good luck to you this season. DeMarvion Overshone, thank you so much for taking the time, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. I'm pleased to be joined by Baylor head coach Dave Aranda. Coach, how you doing? Doing really good. I want to start with positives from 2021, uh, really 2020 and 2021. So some stats I'm going to give you, and you'll tell me what you think. 34 sacks in 2021, 44 takeaways over the last two seasons. The question for me is, how do you create such a great defense in two short years at Waco? I think I appreciate the question. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is identifying what you do well. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's kind of coaches getting out of their own way mm -hmm. to let the players take up the space and use, you know, maximize what you're doing well, the stuff you're not doing well. If you got to hide it some, hide it, develop it for sure. Right. And then, you know, there's creative things that are available to try to, you know, maybe get a disadvantage to an advantage. And so I think all of that is a, is a way, I mean, I, you know, there, there was a time where I was at Utah state and I remember we, we were trying to be like Hawaii. I was at Hawaii the year prior and we had all these D linemen. And so we played with like five D linemen, a package, right. Of all, all of them were like 300 pounds. And like that was, those were our best players, you mm -hmm. know? And we'd have Corey Prittis was linebacker behind him and he'd be unblocked and all this other thing. And we go to Utah State and we're like trying to do the similar thing. We had we had very few D linemen, but we had a bunch of DBs and was, they had recruited Florida really well. Corey Raymond was on the staff mm -hmm. and um, they had recruited uh, some junior colleges pretty well. Mm -hmm. And so we started playing with six DBs. So it was almost mm -hmm. like the exact opposite, but that's who we had, you know? And so I think, you know, that's, it's always a challenge because, you know, coaches are going to live in their own world mm. of their own, you know, tactical and kind of, you know, guys are being judged and their values based upon, you know, this addition or this decision and all the other thing, but still remains a player's game. Mm. And so I think it's, it's always a challenge. You know, I think especially when you have success, it makes it harder mm. because you think that it's you, <laughs> you know, and so it becomes a thing. <laughs> Well, that's one of the things that Bryson and Dylan wanted to outline for me as I asked them a similar question. Mm -hmm. And they were really good about saying, yes, we, we have a great scheme from our coordinator in Ron mm -hmm. Roberts. You are obviously a big part of that. They mm -hmm. talked about the religious experience of you using a whiteboard and mm -hmm. explaining to them what their jobs and responsibilities are. Mm -hmm. But they also take ownership of the defense. Mm -hmm. And I found that to be really, really interesting because most of the time players don't get to take ownership mm -hmm. of what they're doing. Like, yeah, we got the plays, but we got to go execute. And that's cool. on us. It's pretty cool. You know, you, you can, there can be, you can be an artist, man. And that's like the highest level, really. You know, I think there's a movie I was watching. It's a documentary. It's, um, was it, is that Jiro J Dreams of Sushi or something like that? It was about, you know, being a craftsman. Mm -hmm. It was about being, you know, ma a mastery level. And it was about this, this um this sushi chef and all he thinks about is sushi and he goes through the same thing every day and it's like th his little restaurant is like 10 seats it's sold out for like years and the whole thing but i think you know when you become an artist 
at your craft. It's it's a whole other level. But I think there's a fair amount of people that have to get out of the way, hmm. you included, uh, for that to happen. Because I don't think it's something you can control. I think it's something that you allow to kind of take place. And so, you know, I think when you can have players that, um, you know, even the LSU teams, you know, when Devin White was there, we were something. When Patrick Queen was there, we were something else. And so I think for them to kind of take on that role and, you know, it, any amount of success, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a success on a, on a, um, a Saturday scrimmage from fall camp. There's success in, you know, um, a first uh, home game, right? Playing time. There's success on the road, right? There's success for a conference championship. There's success for a bowl game in each level, right? That whole thing's a thing. And so I think if you can keep it simple, right, and really develop the players um, and the people that drive those players, I think they can take the whole thing to a whole other level. They can. Mm -hmm. I also really would like your perspective on this because I think of that as a privilege. Mm -hmm. Um, I usually, when I'm feeling antagonistic about, say, your profession, Mm -hmm. I'd say, hey, there's a lot of other people that allow that dude to just focus on this Mm -hmm. from what he wears to what his day looks like, it's mm-hmm. regimented. You have a lot of people mm-hmm. that assist in you being focused. Mm-hmm. How do you allow for artistry when you're responsible for so much else? More to the point, you're a head coach and not mm-hmm. a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So you have to be responsible for both sides of the football mm-hmm. team. And now you're doing things like this. Do you see an opportunity to be an artist in what you do? And mm-hmm. how do you allow for your players to just focus? I think you have to go down before you go up. Mm. And I think, um, you know, I think ascending and accumulating and all of it is cool, but, you know, that's not it. And so I think, you know, to get people to reveal themselves mm. is, um, is, is difficult to do because people being people, they'll find a way to get in their own way. And I think, you know, building the trust in community enough to where, someone can be who they are and not, you know, be performative or not try to act a certain way because you think this is how I'm supposed to act when I'm in this room. Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave this room, go to another room, act another way, Mm -hmm. right? But all of those things just get in the way of it. And a lot of those things are, they're all started from the coach, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of how he set the tone for the thing. And so I think if you can get someone that can be who they really are, and that's a hard thing right there. And then from there, the next step is for them to be who they are in competitive and tough situations mm. where they're, you know, there's judgment. You know, what was it in the Coliseum where it's, you know, where it's this? That's basically what it is. That's basically what's happening, you know, on your phone and on the social media and everything else. And so for you to kind of, you know, you have to be able to see that, hey, this is who I am. Football is what I do, but it's not who I am. And there's all these things that have to go into where you taking your true self and expressing yourself on the field. That's a form of expression. And it's the highest form of being authentic. You know, when there's pressure and there's competitiveness, that's the artist. But, you know, I think it's within everything we do, there's a task within a task, Mm. right? And so it's the... You know, it's what's the energy you bring? Mm. What are the honest motivations that you have? You know, what are the 
the intentions that you're bringing to this. It's the task within the task that we have to win, you know, because I think we're, um, I think people know enough of, you know, what's expected and know enough of how stuff looks that they'll act their way through it. And that ain't it. So it's also incredibly scary mm-hmm. uh, to be so vulnerable, mm-hmm. to be who you want to be, who mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. As you're going through these phases and you have these these men mm-hmm. at a very delicate place in their lives, mm-hmm. giving them an opportunity to reveal themselves to you does not mean that they are capable. Because yeah. That requires a level of introspection. Yeah. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure everybody's up for. Mm-hmm. So when you feel that resistance, mm-hmm. how do you go through? Yeah. I was thinking about that today, actually, is the so 2020, 2021. I don't really get it as much now. There's some now. Mm-hmm. But I can't tell you how many conversations I had in those two years of where I would feel like I would be, I'm being honest and I'm being, I'm saying what's in my heart and all of it. And I can just tell by the look on the person's face that they don't believe anything that I'm saying. They don't, they they think I'm like full of whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. like they don't believe it Mm -hmm. and they don't, they don't, they don't agree with it. And they don't, you know, I can't tell you how many conversations and so you know if it was that on monday then it's like you're gonna talk again on tuesday and then you have another talk on wednesday and it was just it'd be that really so i think like you know everything's a thing man because i think it can't be simple if you allow it to be but then if you let your ego get in the way of all of it then it becomes well you know becomes a whole other thing and so i think so much of it is if we're in an event let's keep let's keep you know, the focus on what we're in, that would be the task within the task. And let's not create another event when we're already in one, right? With our ego, you know, I would define ego as, as, um, you know, not seeing reality, right? Mm. Not, not being what, what it really is, you know, the, the veil over, over what actually is, right? It's the, the lens of what you want it to be. And so I think it's a constant, it's a constant fight, I think, for, for people and, you know, I think for myself to lead and try to model that, um, you know, you don't have to be an a-hole, man, to get stuff done. So there's other ways. Coach Randa, thank you so much for your time, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. I'm pleased to be joined by Texas Tech head coach, Joey McGuire. Coach, how you doing? Doing great, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I want to start with this, Coach. Uh, I've asked the kids, I'm going to ask you, what is the brand? The brand is the toughest, hardest working, most competitive team in the country. And, uh, you know, I tell them all the time, you know, that's just not football. I mean, if you can be those three things, tough, hardworking, competitive, then you're going to be pretty successful in life. One of the things that I find interesting about that is that you got to prove it. Right. It's one thing to say it, but those words, they carry some weight. They also mean... These are all things in your control. So day to day, how do you get that across to your players? You know, we have a lot of different times, um, you know, where we're very competitive. Um, uh, just the example in practice, we have brand periods to where they know that we're going to be real competitive and we're going to get after each other. You know, I tell them all the time, you know, there are people that, you know, have some toughness, but for the most part, the only way you can be tough is do tough things and work through tough situations. And so we try to create some of that, whether it's in the weight room, um, you know, whether it's on the practice field and then life throws you tough things all the time. So, you know, you just have to work through those things and that helps you become the brand. Um, I tell our guys all the time, you know, and the one thing about the brand 
The brand doesn't care. You know, you're either the brand or you're not. And it's uh, something that you got to work up with every day and, you know, just keep earning and, and you'll develop into that. You made a career out of coaching in the state of Texas. And I want to get into just what a program you built at Cedar Hill. But I want to get there by saying that's East Texas, right? You coached right. in Central Texas. Right. Now you're in West Texas. Right. How do they feel about their football in West Texas? Well, we are in Texas and, you know, football's king. I mean, uh, you know, I, I always just tell everybody, uh, my buddies that were from different states, you know, I'm coaching high school football and they're going, man, we watch Friday Night Lights. And I'm like, yeah, it's real. Yeah. You know, I mean, of course they put some drama in it, but you know, that is every, uh, small town, every, uh, city in the state of Texas. They love their football. And, you know, West Texas is no different. In fact, if you kind of want to go to the origin of, the book, Friday Night Lights, it was written uh, out in West Texas. And so uh, they're very proud. Um, they're, uh, they, the, the West Texas people as a whole are the brand, um, you know, kind of have a chip on their shoulder. And, you know, it just leans into what we're trying to build out there. It's one of the things I tell people, as I told you, I'm from Tulsa. Right. Do a lot of business with folks in Texas. It's a big enough place to where you can fill out all these universities with great college football players that are specifically from the state. So it right. means something different. And I say that to say this, Coach. What does it mean for you to join this fraternity, exclusive fraternity, of high school football coaches who built names for themselves, who are in the Texas High School College Football, excuse me, Texas High School Coaches Hall of Fame, right. like yourself, and try to do this again? I mean, Jeff Trailer's doing an outstanding job at UTSA. Yes. Coach Dodge tried to do this. Chad Morris did a great job, won a national championship. What does it mean for you? Well, you know, Jeff and I are really close friends, and we talk about it all the time. You know, I carry the THSCA flag with me, and I carry it very proudly. Mm. Um, you know, Jeff and I talk about it, and, and we've talked about it, you know, in public and in private from the standpoint of what we do allows other opportunities for the young coaches that are in high school, you know, in the state of Texas to have an opportunity. So, you know, I, I know that, you know, my job is to win games at Texas Tech, but it's also, you know, to do it the right way and do it with uh, great pride. So there's other coaches, because I'm telling you, there are some phenomenal coaches in this state that could step in and do every bit as good a job as anybody at all levels, the NFL, you know, college, and, of course, since we're talking about high school. But there's some great coaches. And so I have an opportunity to have a platform to show what high school coaches are all about and, you know, we're going to try to do everything we can to make sure that those guys have opportunities. I'd say you're you're hitting the branding and the marketing of your program out of the park, just the way that you have presented yourself and the way your kids are buying in. At one point, Texas Tech is number two in the country in 247 Sports Composite. And that, that means something to me. It means something to the folks to follow you. But you're going to have to do this in September. You're going right. to do this in October. How are you going to get to translate all of this momentum onto the field, specifically by picking a guy to start at quarterback? Well, yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, I, I told our quarterbacks, I mean, you can't have a, a brand of your team being tough, hardworking, competitive, and then expect somebody to give you something. Mm. And so we've got three guys that are competing their tails off. Um, I told Coach Kitley, I said, I, I don't know if you'll ever have this in your career, that, you know what, whoever wins it, we really like I have no favorite of I think this guy's going to win it. Whoever's the quarterback, um, we're ready to roll. And then it's another thing is if something crazy happens and a shoe call comes off, I'm not calling a timeout. Next guy's up. Next guy's going in there because there's not going to be any drop off. Um, you know, we have three really, really good quarterbacks. And 
and don't be surprised it's not going to be a rotation deal. But don't be surprised if there's not packages in each game that we don't play all three of them because, you know, we, I believe in playing 11-on-11 football and having a quarterback to convert first downs with his feet. That's playing 11-on-11. It puts a lot of pressure on defenses. And so I think those guys can do it. Um, you know, what you're going to see on Saturdays, you're going to see a team that, you know, is passionate. Uh, we have a great locker room right now. Uh, we have a, a locker room that, you know, they really care about each other. And that translates to teams that play with a lot of pr- passion on Saturdays. And so I think you're going to see a really passionate team go out there and play every single week. There is a great lineage of play callers to come through Texas Tech. Yes. I'm sure that Coach Kaylee knows about this, but I need to know how did you get him to come back home? Well, number one, he bleeds red and black. I mean, I'm telling you, the guy, when I talked to him a couple of years ago and, and we were just talking through different things, I told him, I said, hey, if anything happens, you know, I'd love to be, a, you know, for you to be a part of uh, my coaching staff. And, and uh, as it started getting closer and I was, had an opportunity at, at Texas Tech, you know, talking to him, that place is very important to him, mm. you know, and, and um, he's had such great memories there. But to be able to come back, and for him to do it as the offensive coordinator um, with all the great offenses that have been there is going to be really, really special. He's, he's one of the brightest coaches I've ever been around. Um, he is going to be a great head coach someday. Um, we just need to win a lot of games with him before he decides to leave me, <laughs> and I think we're going to do that. Having worked for Matt Rule and Dave Aranda before taking this job, is there anything that you picked up from those two men that you take with you to Tech? Well, you know, both of them, they're, they're very different, but they're the same when it comes to players, you know, and, and we were a player-based ba- program. Yeah, everything's centered around, you know, them being successful and being the ve- best version of themselves. And so both Dave Aranda and Matt Rule were like that. Uh, I, I will tell you, though, if I hadn't worked for Matt Rule, I'm probably not sitting here. Hmm. Um, he saw from the very beginning that I wanted to make the move to college and then make the move to be a head coach again. Mm. And so he poured into me. So the questions that I had as far as the college game, whenever it comes to the roster and and different things with that, man, he just was such a great mentor and he's a good friend. I talked to him. I at least talked to him three or four times a week. My son works for him, you know, and so it's just one of those deals that he is such a great resource. I've always found it interesting just how these things go and how close you all are as staffs and how you remain close. Are there any of your coaches that perhaps are like Kitley in that you knew them from a while ago and you say, hey, look, if I ever get an opportunity, oh, yeah. I want you to come with me. Could you tell me about a couple of those coaches? Well, my special teams coordinator is my best friend in the world. Mm-hmm. We coached against each other. He was a high school head coach at Arlington Bowie, and uh, he actually got into the college game before I did. Um, so we have talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it you talked to Emmett Jones, my wide receivers coach. We coached against each other. He was a head coach at SOC. Um, and so we're both in that South Dallas area. And we've always talked. In fact, when we played uh, this year, Baylor in Kansas, you know, we said, hey, look, either one of us, like, we, we didn't care who, but hey, keep each other in the loop. Um, I never thought I'd get a chance to coach with Zarnell Fitch, but mm. we have talked about it before. Another high school head coach, um, you know, played at TCU and then was a head coach at Dallas Lincoln. And, you know, he was a guy, you know, we have talked about it. We just didn't think it would ever happen. And and luckily I was able to get him. So there's a good number of guys on our staff. You know, that was one thing, um, one college, knowing some of these guys coaching 
uh, college, I mean, excuse me, in high school, I saw these guys recruit and knowing who they were. That's how Tim DeRuiter and I, you know, got together. But as soon as I got into college, I started mapping out like, okay, if I get a staff, I get this job, who can it be? And, you know, it was just one of those deals. I've always from 1994 till right now, I've always wanted to be a head coach and everything I've done is to try to be that head coach. And so I felt like we were prepared to go into this of, and, uh, you know, really hire a really good staff. Coach, my last one for you. It's open-ended. Yeah. Please indulge me. How do you feel about the future of college football? You know, excited. Okay. Um, okay. Is it different? 100%. I mean, from the portal um, to NIL, which I'm a big proponent of, uh, from the standpoint, do I think there's need to be guidelines and guardrails around it? 100%. But for any athlete – you know, it's crazy that athletes before but now can, um, you know, really brand themselves and, uh, you know, promote themselves and, and uh, make money off of that. I think that's a, a good thing. Um, realignment and new conferences and old rivalries, is that going to change? Yes. But I'll tell you this, we – have a great fan base when it comes to college football. Mm. You see that. You saw that here in the Big 12 championship, and you see it with the TV numbers. So is college football different? What will it look like in five years? I don't know, but I think it's really healthy, and I think we have a great game, and uh, and I'm excited to be a part of it now as a head coach. Could not agree more with the positive sentiment, Coach. Texas Tech coach Joey McGuire, thank you so much for your time, Coach. Thank you. I'm pleased to be joined by Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to talk with you, Coach, because we're coming off of another winning season for you, and I think this is a new experience for many Cyclone fans in that, hey, I don't know that I like the seven-win stuff. Uh, what happened to the Fiesta Bowl? I'm going, hey, 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 hey. Do you realize how far you have come and how far the program has come in such a short amount of time? Yeah, you know, it's great to have expectations. And, you know, as I've said, um, you know, when expectations were low and certainly now that expectations are high, the great thing about us from day one in our program is we've had the highest expectations. And, you know, I, I think for us, no matter what is said outside of our walls, I think we've understood that, you know, the value system of greatness is never over, never found by overcoming others. Greatness in life is overcome by by overcoming yourself. Mm. And, you know, I think that's what's been so fun about, you know, positive years, years where you felt like, man, you didn't reach your full potential. How do we keep pushing this thing forward? Our best is yet to come. And, you know, I, I think we certainly feel like that right now on our walls and, and really excited about what's to come. I think it's fair to say, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that 2021 team for me, uh, uh, coming off that 2020 season, let me go ahead another way. The 2020 team is my favorite Iowa State team. Full stop. And might be the best team in school history, and it's been a long school history. You're losing Brock Purdy. You're losing Charlie Kolar. You're losing Brees Hall. How are you planning to coach those other guys and say, hey, 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 they did this themselves. You can do that, too. You're wearing the same uniform. Well, I think the thing that's so exciting for us is, you know, we, we were we were there a little bit in 2017 mm -hmm. season when you lost Lazard and mm -hmm. Lanning, Hakeem Butler, David Montgomery. And everybody was asking that same question. And so that's one nice thing. I think it's hard to find continuity in college football today. I think it's hard to find true programs. And we've prided ourselves on building a true program. And, you know, yes, we lost some great seniors a year ago. We've lost some really talented players that have, again, raised the level of excellence in Iowa State football. 
And now there's the next group that's coming. And if they left it the right way, they left it better and they found it and they taught the young guys in the program, those next form of leaders, what's it like? And, you know, we're fortunate, man, even today brought down here with Xavier Hutchison, you know, first team all conference receiver, led the Big 12 conference in receptions a year ago. Um, you know, he, he'll be a three-year starter in our program. What a great senior to lean on um, as we continue to build forward. Anthony Johnson's been a four-year starter and all conference player for us at the corner position down here with us what a great guy to build the 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 future of this team around orion vance will be the sixth year in our program and a four-year starter at mike linebacker for us a pillar of our success um trevor downing a four-year starter first team all-conference player of the offensive line so yes there'll be some youth and there'll be some new guys that are really hungry nice thing about youth is sometimes there's a hunger that comes with youth to say i belong and i want to take this to the next level but there's also some veteran leadership in our walls that understand the pathway and what's now it's their time to lead the program and quite honestly since January they've done a phenomenal job of leading this program forward so um, we're really excited I I think there's a sense of excitement Um, there's a sense of uh, unity and and really a momentum that's in our walls that really we haven't felt as a coaching staff before that really exciting to see that's going on right now on our team. You mentioned 2017 and what that team was like. And I remember big win against Oklahoma, right, to really put a stamp on that program for you. But I'm also looking at that going, you know, that defense was a three-man front. They dropped eight. They kept everything in front of them. Guys like Mike Rose running with their hair on fire, putting people on the ground. But you got one guy that nobody will listen to me about in Will McDonald the fourth. All that dude does is get after people. What do you think is left for him to do in the sport that you think can – one-up what he's been able to do so far. Yeah, I, I would say I feel like Will is one of the, if not the best defensive players in the country coming back in college football this year. And, you know, Will plays with an elite motor. Mm. Um, he's a game changer. Mm. And, you know, yes, he has the great consistency of an elite pass rush. But Will's as violent as any player that we've had at the point of attack. And, mm. you know, I think the biggest thing for Will deciding to come back to school was his ability to physically really do a great job of of getting himself physically ready to play at an elite level for mm-hmm. 12 games. You know, Will's got his physical presence to about 245 pounds right now. Um, you know, he's holding and carrying that weight, physically looks as good as he ever has. And I think, you know, that was really the big mindset for him is how do I play at that level of excellence throughout the course of a game, 40 to 50 snaps in a game at that same level that I have the ability to show from game in and game out, kind of what he did a year ago. Each game, he had a profound impact on the game. Now, can he have the consistency through the game to have that impact? And really, we've really put the time and effort around his physical presence to say, this is what can give you that guide to be able to be that player, snap in and snap out for this football team. I spent a lot of time talking about culture. I'm sure a lot of other folks do too. But I look at the two Power 5 programs in the state of Iowa, yours and Kirk Ferentz's, and I see a blueprint for folks to follow. I understand you played for Coach Karras at Mountain Union. I understand you saw it done right, but you were able to build this program into something that you and others can be proud of. What are some of the values that you can tell us about that maybe we could incorporate? Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, the the model for us has has really not changed in terms of, you know, number one, you know, big picture wise is is recruit, retain, develop, right? Recruit, 
the right people in our football program to be successful, whether that's players or coaches or anybody that touches the lives of our players. Um, you know, we, we've kind of used the value system of, of the recruiting of great character, people that have a passion for what they do, and people that understand, you know, whether it's a player committed to academic excellence or if it's a coach being a lifelong learner. Mm. And, and that part of it has been really big for us is aligning people to that vision. Um, number two is retention. I think that's where the word culture, though I know it's a buzzword in our, our profession right now, but retention and keeping people, good people going within, you know, the organization. And, you know, how do you, you know, we had one sign at, at, at uh, Mount Union when we were there and it was it was faith, family, football. Mm. Right. And, and how do you how do you coach the person? Um, you know, I think we've lost our way in college athletics at times, and it's the player is greater than the person. Well, that's not true. Uh, what's true is we're still dealing with 18-year-old young men um, that are growing, that are growing in their lives, not just as football players, but as men. And you know, we've put the mindset of of the person is greater than the player, and really tried to create a culture around that. You know, how we build our program, how we build our team, and I think it's the same thing for our coaches. Man, the person is greater than the coach. You know, these these coaches still got to be great fathers and husbands. Man, they got to walk the walk if they're going to get up in front of the kids and talk the talk. And so, you know, how do you create a culture where that growth still has the ability to happen? And I think that's a huge responsibility of mine. And and then the third part. Part of it is is obviously the development piece and you know development in, in the world of football we that you can use that in a lot of areas certainly personal development uh physical development and then development in your craft and then you know even the development as coaches you know and if we just say this is how we're going to do it and put our foot in the ground and and not change and have the ability to grow as coaches we will fail. Mm. And so, you know, the opportunity to continue to develop ourselves and develop the people within our organization, I think really important. So it's really been that model of, of you know, really recruit, retain, develop, and, and really trying to live by that and, and not veer too far off that course and, you know, align the value system of trust to the entirety of the program. And easy to say the word trust, really hard to build it and really hard to, to sustain it because mm. um, we know it can be broken with, with one, you know, with one action. And so you, you really try really hard to, to kind of build through those, those two core principles. It's one of the things I was most impressed about the last six years is I got to know David because I'm an Eagle Scout. He's an Eagle Scout. It's the only thing we got in common, <laughs> right? So we could build on that and then getting to know Brees coming out of high school and what he was able to do at your program, the kind of person he remained, even as he was having success. But you also have spent so much time at Iowa State and in this profession that you've seen some iterations. You've seen some realignment. You've seen the introduction of the portal, the introduction of name, image, and likeness. So I'm going to ask this question and just be open-ended about it and indulge me if you would, Coach. What do you think about the college uh, what do you think about the future of college football oh i think it's a scary time okay. you know I, I think the 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 scary part of it is you know that uh, again we're dealing with people mm -hmm. and yes winning there's a lot of money um there's a lot of things that are are part of what's occurred and and you know i've been very fortunate to to get a great salary and all those things but what is most important is the lives of 18 year old young men. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have 130 young men in our program and they're growing from young man to man. Mm -hmm. And our most important part in this job is man for 
70% of the young men that we have this opportunity is the opportunity to change their lives and their families' lives forever. And that's not just going to the National Football League. That's getting an education, aligning themselves with the right alumni, the right people to apply their education to, for life after football. Those are the powerful things that our sport still has. That when you boil it down, it still matters the most. And, you know, so the scary part is, you know, we can't lose our way. We can't understand that the greatest asset that we have and the greatest asset that is out there is these 18 to 22 year old young men and our job is to do everything in our power to yes winning football playing football developing those football players really important um you want guys that want that but if we lose the value system and in a lot of ways we have um that developing the person along the way gets dropped then i think failure will 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 then come in a great way so you don't want that to happen i think that's something that that is really critical at this juncture right now is are we doing everything in our power to develop these these young men as people and young men, um, not just as football players? And uh, I know that's been one of the joys about being at Iowa State and being where we are. Um, you know that you, we certainly have the support of an administration and a and and leadership team that allows us to continue to build a program that way. I think it's a great place to leave it. Iowa State coach Matt Campbell. Thank you so much for the time, sir. Thank you. I'm pleased to be joined by Texas Christian TCU head coach, Sonny Dykes. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I want to start this, Coach. Uh, you're coming into a spot where they haven't had a new head coach at, since the turn of the century, quite honestly. What kind of culture are you walking into, and what are you doing to try to push that culture forward? Yeah, you know, the good thing is uh, TCU's had a lot of success. Uh, Gary Patterson, obviously, was synonymous with TCU football for a long time. Built the program, got them in the Big 12, um, led to to where it is today. And, and the great thing about it is we're we're having a chance to build on a really solid fund, foundation. You know, we've got a high level of investment in our program, really all the way down from the chancellor to our athletic director to to our board to our alumni to our donors to everybody. And they know how important college football is to TCU. They know how important it is to the city of Fort Worth. Uh, and so there's the, the the investments there, and so we're on a very solid foundation. The program has had a lot of success through the years, so everybody certainly knows what it's capable of. And our job is to get it back where it where it was before. Would you allow that for the outside world? You went from SMU to TCU, felt like saying in town. What led to that decision for on your part, sir? Well, I think the biggest thing is just kind of what I talked about. I mean, I just think the investment in the program, the opportunity to coach in the Big 12, um, you know, there's a little bit of instability with SMU and what was happening with some of the conferences and, and realignment and all the kind of stuff that is typical of college football these days. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, having a chance to compete at the very highest level, to recruit the very best players, to know that you're going to have the, the very best resources in order to bring out the best in those players. You know, all those things were, were you know, tough to turn down. The opportunity to, to, again, build off of Coach Patterson's success that he had for so long, I think, was, was a challenge and, and certainly became an opportunity that was just too good to pass up. Very excited about your personnel, but I'm even more excited about your defense coordinator. I graduated the University of Tulsa. I'm very familiar with Coach Gillespie and what he was accomplishing as a high school coach. What do you see from him that, hey, I got to have you in a Horn Frog shirt? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is I coached against him for four years, hated to play against his defenses at <laughs> Tulsa. You know, the guys were always one step ahead. You know, I think he's a great coach schematically. Uh, really think he does a tremendous job of recruiting to his scheme and being able to project guys, which I was really impressed with. 
probably the best thing that you can say about him is his defense has played hard every single snap. Didn't matter what the score was. Didn't matter what the circumstance was. Didn't matter how tired they were. They always played hard. I think it's a tribute to Coach Gillespie, the way those guys trust him uh, and the way he poured into them. Uh, he's been a great hire for us. He's a Texas guy. You know, grew up Stephenville, coached at Stephenville, has a lot of ties to the area. So as I saw, sat down and started looking for the defensive coordinator, Joe was a, was a guy whose name kept coming up, and obviously I was interested in talking to him. And when I sat down and talked to him, I felt like he was aligned with me, you know, my vision for what I wanted the defense to look like in our program to look like. I think he shared that. And he's been a great hire for us. Our players love playing for him. You know, they're going to learn a lot, and I think they're going to have an opportunity opportunity to really improve. And so I'm excited about getting them and glad I don't have to play against them anymore. Hey, Coach, I was uh, looking down at my notes, and I was just wondering, uh, you got any idea who starting quarterback is against Colorado? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that question's come up with the place today. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, we've had a great competition this spring. we got two guys that have played a lot of football. You know, Max has been a three-year starter, um, has had some great games, has really played well at times. You saw Chandler play last year against Baylor, and he looked like one of the better quarterbacks in college football. So we have guys that are capable of doing it. I think the big thing is just figuring out who's the quarterback that's going to make us better. And and when you sit down and you look at all the, the metrics and all the things and start to measure and compare guys, to me that's really the only thing that matters. You know, may not be the biggest guy, strongest guy, fastest guy, may not even be the biggest athlete or the best athlete, but it's going to be the guy that – makes that person, everybody around him better. It makes the offense better, makes the team better, and puts us in the best situation to go out and win on Saturday. And at the end of the day, that's what playing quarterback's all about. I think anybody who hears your name understands what kind of offense that you're going to put out on the field. And a couple of years ago, I might even say that you're joining a pass-happy, score high score in offensive league. But I look around, I see what you did with hiring Coach Gillespie. I look at Coach Aranda. I look at Coach Venables. What do you think about the balance in this league now? Yeah, you know, I was in the Big 12 2000 to 2006 mm -hmm. at Texas Tech. And the league, when we came in in 2000, was a two-back run-the-football league. By the time I left in 2006, it was a wide-open, four, four wides, score every possession. Whoever had the ball last was probably going to win league. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the league has changed a lot. I think it went from there and continued to, to be a, an offensive-led league until about the middle of, of the 2010s. And then about 2013, 2014, all of a sudden, there started to be a little bit more of a premium on defense. And, and, you know, when you go back and study the history of the league, typically the team that plays the best defense in the league wins the league. You look at last year, Baylor was the number one defense in the league. Baylor won the championship. And so, you know, I think there's a correlation there and pretty easy to see. You look at college football in general. You know, Georgia had the best defense in the country last year, won the national championship, won the SEC championship. So all those things that, you know, when you look at those things and you look at those those metrics – you know, playing great defense. If you want to be a championship program, you got to play great defense. It really starts there. And so, you know, we understand that. We appreciate that. The league is different than it used to be. It's going to be much different. You're going to see a lot of 12 personnel, mm -hmm. a lot more tight ends in the league. And it seems to be kind of the in vogue thing in college football now. And it's certainly kind of what we've been doing here recently as well as, you know, playing with a tight end and different personnel packages and, you know, trying to pressure defenses and, and do some things uh, with creative matchups and, and um, you know, seven-man blocking surfaces and all the things that kind of equalize the game a little bit. So it's always changing. you got to try to stay ahead of it the best you can. But it's this is a good league. It's a good league on offense, a good league on defense, and so it's going to be very challenging. Well, hell, and the matchup nightmare is just a big 12 parlance at this point. I mean, you can throw a rock and hit a Jason Morrow or a Mark Andrews, but – 
you got one lining up on the numbers that I absolutely love watching in Quentin Johnson. I feel like anywhere you put, want to put that dude on the field, he's got an opportunity to go get the ball. Do you expect him to take a, a big leap for you this year, along with guys like Tate Barber? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, when you look at Quentin, you love his size, you love his speed, you love his skill set. He's like everybody else in our program. You just want him to, to play more consistently. If you look at him last year, production real high one game, not as high as it needed to be the other game. And so we've got to figure out how to get him performing at a very, very high level. And, you know, we got to do a good job offensively of getting him the ball and making sure that we have intentions to get him the football because when he gets his hands on the ball, good things happen. And, and we've got to continue to get him more consistent and, and give him more opportunities week in and week out to, to go out and make plays because he's certainly good at doing that. You know, we love our receiver core. Tay Barber's another one of those guys, great speed, can do some things, you know, creative things with, with, uh, with when he gets his hands on the football. And, and so we got a bunch of guys that, that I'm excited about that can make plays, really like our tight end room, like our inside receiver room. You know, very versatile guys, some big guys that, are, that can go up and get it, some fast guys that can, can improvise and make plays when we throw them screens and do different things. So very varied receiver room, uh, excited about all the skills that those guys have and, and ready to see them kind of put it all together and go out there and perform at a high level. Coach, uh, an open-ended question for you. Please feel free to take it in any direction you want to. How do you feel about the future of college football? Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly challenging right now. There's just so much going on. I mean, you look you look around the game right now, and obviously transfer portal and name, image, likeness, conference realignment, all that stuff. You know, all those things are gonna, you know, are gonna have an impact on the game. Uh, whether or not it's positive, we'll see. You know, I do think that name, image, and likeness is a great opportunity for student athletes to to earn. I think what they've always deserved. You know, so many of these guys have have performed at such a high level, have made so much money for their prospective schools or, or their respective schools. And, and so they've gone out and they've done this thing consistently through the years. And, you know, and all they got was a scholarship. They probably deserve to get more than that. And so, you know, I think that that trend is a good thing for student athletes. Uh, I think it's what they deserve. Uh, I think those guys deserve everything that they can get while they're playing college football. But at the same time, we have to have some kind of integrity in our game, and we've got to figure out how to do that. Um, that's going to be challenging just the way that it is. But I think our guys, um, you know, I, I think there's going to be enough smart people to figure out how to make it work. I think right now it's a little bit rocky. You know, we don't have a lot of guardrails up and a lot of stuff's going on right now, but but we'll figure this out. Um, and one thing that won't change is when you walk on college football campuses or college campuses on Saturday in the fall, there's going to be college football. There's going to be excitement. Uh, there's nothing like it. You know, there's nothing like going to a to a big time college football game. There's no there's nothing like that atmosphere, um, and it unifies people. It brings people together, and it gets everybody pulling the same direction. And so, you know, that's not going to change no matter what. Doesn't matter if we have name image name image likeness. Doesn't matter if we have transfers. Doesn't matter who's in what conference. Uh, there's still going to be that electric atmosphere on Saturdays. Coach Sonny Dykes, thank you so much for the time, sir. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Okay, thank you. Okay. I'm pleased to be joined by TCU wide receiver Quentin Johnston. Quentin, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Yes, sir. I had to catch myself because I said Texas Christian and then somebody come after me, so I just, you know, I'm yeah. trying. I'm yeah, for sure. I can. for sure. But I want to talk with you specifically because you've got some history here that I think is interesting. So I'm going to lay this out and you tell me if I got it wrong. Got gotcha. you. You had first committed to Texas. Mm-hmm. And then you flipped your commitment to TCU, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. What went into that decision? Uh, uh just kind of, just kind of, you know, a different series of things. Um, not, not only from 
from looking at the football part of it, but kind of, you know, like classroom setting, like class size and stuff like that. And then and then, and then, then kind of just what I felt in my heart that, that would be best for me and my family, you know, within, you know, uh, the next four years. So, so, so a lot went into that. It wasn't, it wasn't a matter of a uh, coaching change or like a player said anything to me that kind of, you know, like altered my decision. But, um, um, you know, like obviously like a big decision, you know, like that you're going to make for the rest of, you know, the next four years of your life is hard to, you know, put on a 17, 18, 19 year old kid. So it was a lot for me at that time. And, um, you know, I was just kind of going back and forth, just kind of like debating on the two. And then, you know, after, you know, you know, a lot of thoughts, prayers, you know, and then talking to my family, I finally, you know, made the decision to, you know, flip the TCU because I felt like it would be best, you know, for me in my situation. Felt stable, right? Yes, for sure. I mean, you had the same head coach for mm-hmm. 20 years at TCU. Mm-hmm. You're going through the first coaching change there in this century. Yeah. Right? Let me ask you first, mm-hmm. how you feel about Coach Patterson and yeah. taking a job at Texas? Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, I mean, um, I mean, like, obviously, like, once a, um, you know, like a legendary coach like that makes a move, you know, like, obviously – you know, like you know, like the first the first reaction is like, oh, like why he leaving and stuff like that. But but kind of but kind of already knowing like the situation and you know like what's going on with that. I kind of you know like I mean like he obviously as a as a as a head coach um, uh, as a person and at the end, and then at the end of the day um, as a man he has to do what's best for him and his family. So you know like at the end of the day you know he you know he made his decision and you know you can't do nothing but respect it. So you got the dude that's not just new to Texas Christian, mm-hmm. but he comes from Southern Methodist. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah, you know so. How did you feel about getting mm-hmm. the guy coming from SMU, just yeah. basically making a hop, skipping a jump over to Fort Worth? Yeah, um, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, kind of the school he came from really didn't, you know, have a, you know, have a big, you know, twitch in my mind. But, but, but as far as what he's done with offenses in the past, kind of, kind of turned, uh, you know, you know, a switch, uh, switch on for me. You know, obviously, you know, being a receiver, you know, he he runs a. Um, he runs more of an air raid uh, style offense, which you know, kind of you know, kind of like sparked me up a little bit as well. You know, some of my teammates, you know, I feel good about it. But obviously, you know, um, uh, having a new coach come in and this whole new coaching staff, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta kind of build up trust and build up respect for each other. You know, it's kind of like you know uh, mutual at that point. But you know, at the end of the day, I feel like you know, like he's he's done a good job of doing that, and you know, we've you know we've done a good job as a team as uh, uh, as to receive him as a coach. You know, actually, and then, you know, it's, it's all starting to fall into place. Everything's working out. I was really curious to talk with you about the change in offense. Gotcha. Because over the past two years, 55 catches, right, over 1,500 yards. So I think 22 as a true freshman, 33 mm-hmm. last year. But a gaudy per-catch average, I want to say close to 18, 19 yards per catch. Yeah. And then you saw what this offense is capable of. Mm-hmm. How has it felt just going through spring ball, yeah. the way that you are being delivered the football, yeah. and how many targets you get opportunity to catch? Oh, yeah, you know, so you, you know, it's an amazing feeling. You know, as a receiver, you – you almost want the ball every play, but you know that that can't happen. So you want the ball as many times as you possibly can. And then, and then, and then, with the catches I did have last season, obviously, um, like like coming into the spring, going into the fall season, going into the, you know the actual season, you know, it gives me a different you know sense of pride. Kind of, kind of, kind of going in with this coach and their style of offense. You know, it makes me it makes me excited. Like I was already excited to play the game before. You know, it, it kind of just bumps me up. You know another level knowing, you know, like I'm going to see, you know, X amount more uh, balls, X amount more targets, not only for me, but for uh, the rest of my teammates. Change in head coach usually mm-hmm. means change in philosophy, both mm-hmm. offensively and defensively. Yeah. I'm familiar with Coach Gillespie because I went to the University of Tulsa and I mm-hmm. pay attention. Yeah. I know what that uh, that defense, excuse me, is capable of mm-hmm. with Zayvon Collins and what they were able to do in 2020. Mm-hmm. Have you found it at all challenging to face that defensive scheme? Uh. And some parts of it, yeah, but you know, but you know, at the end of the day, I feel like, 
I feel like I feel like any challenge, especially to that degree of you know, um, you know, like defensive knowledge and level, um, you know, like just just depending on what type of player you're on, it can be can be overcome. And then and then and then once you get past the defensive battles, all right, like now, like you know, like as an offensive player, I got to learn my plays and you know, like figure out different ways and different schemes to get past that. So you know, at the end of the day, it's pretty you know, um, you know, up and down with that. I'm really excited to see this offense go. And against that defensive practice, only makes me even more excited because I know there's an emphasis on outside linebackers can line up in a foot nine technique, go after people, but safeties and DBs yeah. that can play in man coverage. Yeah. I say that saying you on one side, Tay Barber on the other. Yeah, yo man, uh, y'all yeah. gonna get all sorts of opportunities <laughs> yeah, to catch the sure. football here. Sure. Like, sure. speak on Tay for just a little mm -hmm. bit. I got to see him. I want to say it was 2019 for the first time. Mm -hmm. Showing out, right? Yeah. Who does he most remind you of, and what are you expecting from him this season? Um, let me see who who he most reminds me of. Kind of, kind of as far as as far as as far as big plays and stuff like that. Um, uh, a sort of sort of a you know like Deshaun Jackson on the inside. He's 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 real he's real quiet until he's not, and then and then like it's like he's he's chilling with everybody's chilling, everybody's chilling. You know, we're hitting on the outside, running backs hitting, and all of a sudden he wide open down the field for you know. You know, a seventy-yard, you know, return home, and then it's like, oh, like you know, like we we almost forgot about him. But it's like, but it's like you can't, you can't, like he's one of the players, like you can't sleep on it all. Like he's gonna always be there for the big players, always be there, you know, for the big block or whatever it is. And you know, just just him as a person, him him him, um, you know, like during practices, you know, his overall work work ethic, you know, it's just it's just kind of like motivated me. And you know, the rest the the rest of the receiving court, you know, work harder every day. You say Deshaun Jackson. Mm -hmm. I, in my head, sometimes think Brandon Cooks when yeah. I see him, you know, mm -hmm. with that stature and the speed and ability to take the top off the defense. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I'm oh, yeah, for sure. To it. But I'm also looking forward to seeing which one of those guys back there wins the job to be able to throw y'all those deep yeah. bombs. Between Max Duggan, who I know you are very familiar with, yeah. and Chandler Morris, who made a decision transfer last mm -hmm. year. What are differences between them, yeah. uh, and what makes them good quarterbacks? Um, as far as as far as far differences, it's very, it's, it's very fine, like kind of like, like – like different dunk type of type of differences, it's almost it's almost hard to just to just to just come up with it right on the top of my head. But but as far as them as a player, like I'm comfortable I'm com I'm comfortable with both of them. I mean like they're like they've worked their you know butt off you know from 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 the time Coach Dykes and them came in there, and you know you know kind of kind of you know switched the offense around you know to you know like up until this point you know like they've been going you know back to back and. Um, not only them, but you know the rest of our you know quarterbacks too, and and um, like kind of off the field, you know, aside from practice, we all we all find you know countless hours during the week, to, you know, um, that that we kind of set aside from everything else and just work on chemistry with everybody. And I feel like that chemistry is you know uh, gotten stronger throughout the summer. So um, you know, like whoever decide, I mean, uh, whoever the coach decides to put in there, I'm comfortable with anybody. I'm excited to see what comes out of TCU mm -hmm. this year because every year you seem to come out with at least one player mm -hmm. or one drafty that I'm just like, oh, yeah, I was waiting on that person to break out, and now y'all want to actually jump on board. Yeah. For me, it's guys like Jalen Rager. It's yeah. guys like LJ Collier from years ago. Mm -hmm. It was a guy like Josh Doxson yeah. years ago. For sure. If I told you that I saw Josh Doxson in you, mm -hmm. you would say? I would say, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, like that's a big honor because, you know, like obviously um, uh, growing up, I didn't, I didn't watch TCU up until I started getting – and to like being able to be recruited and stuff like that, and you know, like obviously, you know, school recruiting. I'm like, all right, like what, you know, like what receivers came out of there, and just and just watching him and the impact he had on games, he made it look effortless, and that's and that's and that's. Um, I appreciate that very much, you know, saying that because because you know him, he was a different player. He took the game to a whole another level. How he just how he just made you know defenders miss and you know deep ball threats for sure. That was that was that was that was close to automatic with him. So 
yeah, no, he was he was he was, he was very um uh, a very impactful player. Well, I don't say it lightly, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. Mean, you might not know, but I'll let you know. I grew up rooting for Oklahoma, gotcha. so I watch a lot of Oklahoma football. Uh-huh. What you did over the top of Billy Bowman still sticks <laughs> in my mind. I'm sure it sticks in many Sooners fans' minds. Yeah. Where do you get this ability to go up and get the ball? Uh, kind of just, kind of just growing up playing basketball. Um, doing that, uh, mixed with mixed with track, I did. Um, I, I did high jump, uh, very very competitively. Uh, competitively. Um, uh, I tried to, I actually tried to do that in uh, college. I run the 400, 200. Treat me like I know what I'm talking about. What yeah. you high jumping? What, uh, what am I high jumping? Yeah. Uh, seven two. And we can talk 400 too. Cause Golly, seven two. Yeah, cause yeah, cause we we talking we talking 400. I can. I can what, what you hitting on? 49-2. And you can fly. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh, so you high jump, and that's sure. one of the reasons you believe sure. you can. Yes, sir. The ball. And then, and then probably from the time I started, which was around third, fourth grade, like, like, like as far as just track as a whole, like high jump, high jump. That like that was my passion. Like I, I loved it. Like I put countless hours into just, just like technique and just jumping and just all type of stuff. Like you know that goes into that. So, you know, yeah, I got a lot of pride in that. Man, man, can high jump seven two. The man is a forty eight. 400 meter flat, or what are you doing hurdles? Oh, uh, I, I see, I see, I see, never okay. ran hurdles. Now I feel a little bit better, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit better. A, I, yeah, yeah, like I could never get the technique down. I was always wanting to jump up instead of, you know, kind of, kind of. You're not running over hurdles. It's yeah, like, nah, they, they 42 inches tall. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Quinn Johnson, thank you so much for taking the time, sir. Yes, sir, I appreciate you having me. All right, that's going to wrap up our two episodes from Big 12 Media Days. As you can see, we spent a lot of time and effort getting to talk to the people that you wanted to hear from. And we're going to do that once again because your man is back on the road headed to Big Ten Media Days where we'll have all the insight about Ohio State, Michigan, and maybe a little bit of realignment talk. Keep it locked here. Remember, subscribe to the number one ranked show wherever you get your podcast.